The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I've taken things for granted. Perhaps it was my health, a relationship, different things. I've come to realize that we cannot take any of those things for granted. We're only given one shot at this life, or are we? Most of us are. Some of us get to come back. This next guest was given that gift, the gift of coming back, which changed his life in a very significant way. An accident in 2013 took his life, but he's here to share his story. And without any further delay, it is my pleasure to introduce you to my next guest, Grant Lottering. Hello, Grant, and welcome to Inspire Us. Morning, Paul. Thank you very much. Thanks for it's having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Where are you uh, based at the moment? Well, I'm right here in Santa Ana in Orange County. I just, I just arrived from South Africa via Frankfurt. I arrived here yesterday, late afternoon. <laughs> this was a long journey, but it's I great. It was. <laughs> First visit are you still to the suffering US. from uh, jet lag? Not really. No, I had a good night's sleep. I suppose I'll, I'll have a different, different answer tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> You may just have a different answer tomorrow. Yeah, Grant, it's a, it's, yeah it probably, yeah, yeah. You know, that's what happens with uh, jet lag is that it mm. can sometimes hit us immediately or give it a day or two uh, and, yes. and then it's going to catch up with you. Yeah, yeah, I expect it. Now, Grant, you've had quite an interesting uh, few years, I'd say, and you're an endurance cyclist. Would that be the right uh, term to use for what you do? That's correct. Yeah, um, we we we've started using the term extreme endurance cyclist uh, recently uh, because what I do is is extreme. Uh, you know, nowadays if you do anything above 150 miles, I suppose it's 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 classified as ultra endurance cycling. But I tend to ride closer to a thousand miles, that type of thing, nonstop. Wow. So that's a bit more extreme, I think. <laughs> you, you, would you mind repeating that? How many miles nonstop? Anything between 750 and 1,000 miles, um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, so how long would a ride like that take? That depends. Uh, I tend to ride over mountains, so I try and include as many mountains as I can on the routes that I ride. So uh, it, it just depends on the route itself. But generally, I've done tours every year now since my accident, and um, anything between 48 and 66 hours has been... My average ride time. In that time, I generally tend to nap about once or twice for 20 minutes. For the rest, you just keep going. That's, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and some and some listeners and some of us, I'll just say some of us, have a mm. hard time taking a walk around the block. And here you are 
riding this endurance cycling for miles and miles and miles extreme. Wow, that is fascinating. Whatever got you into this? It all just really started after my accident in 2013, Paul. Uh, before then, I mean, I was a cyclist since I was 12 years old. It became my sport during my school years and as a junior. I turned pro, I raced in Europe in the late 80s, giving my age away here. And uh, it's always been my, my sport. It's, it, it's the only sport I've ever been good at. Give me a ball and I'm absolutely rubbish at it. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> rubbish. But on a bicycle, it tends to work for me. So, yeah. And then up until my accident in 2013, which I'm sure you, you're going to ask me about, uh, I never rode further than... 280 kilometers in one day, which is what, 160 miles around there? I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. So since my accident, yeah, everything just changed. So, yeah. Sometimes accidents do change a person's course. And it sounds like it yeah. has to you. Would you mind talking about the accident and what's happened since then? Yes, I would love to. Thank you. So, um, you know, I stopped racing back in the 80s, but I always continued racing as a, as, as a leisure cyclist, if you call it that. I mean, there's a lot of guys out here who work and they race on weekends because they just enjoy the sport. And, and in 2012, I qualified for the World Masters Championships in, in Trento, Italy, for my age category, which at that stage was 40 to 44. And it was in the mountainous Alps. And I thought that is just great because I love mountains. I've always loved riding in the mountains. And uh, I, I spent a whole year training for it. I was working full time. I worked 17 years in a bank back in South Africa in the actuarial and consulting division. And I was always a career guy. And then, um, yeah, so I, I, I spent a year training for this race. And the accident happened in a race that I entered for about two months before the World Championships itself, just, just to try and get a feel of what the roads are like in Italy, uh, what the mountains are like. And uh, I crashed in this race around about 30 miles into the 120-mile race. And what happened was we came down the first mountain, having ascended it initially, and it rained the night before. So there was still a lot of runoff into the road. And we came around this one corner and that was the first time I ride on these roads. Eh? So I wasn't very familiar with it. And I was trying to follow some local guys and I, I, I overcooked the corner completely. I just went way too fast into the corner and the wrong line on top of it. And I, I went through the water, lost control of my bike. We were doing about 40, 40 odd miles an hour. We were flying. We were, not, we were not messing around. And there was a rock embankment in front of me and I just crashed straight into it. Um, as in, at least not head on, but I managed to turn very quickly and I just hit it with my right shoulder, my, my, the right side of my body. Um, a miracle was I never even scratched my helmet. I had no head injury, but I struck this rock and I bounced back into the road. It, it was a left-hand corner. So I'm lying on the outer, outer corner of the, of, of, of the exit. And... Uh, I was lying in a fetal position and, and, and I was conscious. So I was just screaming at the top of my lungs from the pain. Blood was coming out of my mouth instantly. I couldn't breathe. And uh, it was quite severe. Um, I, I struck that rock <laughs> pretty hard. At that time, uh, there was still a lot of other competitors racing past through the corner. And one guy crashed straight into me. And he shattered my right femur. 
it was a compound fracture and my femur neck was also a compound fracture. Miracle number two, he was a doctor. <laughs> wow. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, he was a doctor. Still to this day, don't know who he was, what his name was. I've got a photograph of him at the scene that someone took. That's it. But uh, anyway, he stayed with me and he played a big part in, 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 in my life being spared because I didn't know it, but I had uh, 12 rib fractures. My sternum was fractured. My, my lower spine, I had two compound fractures in my lower spine. My right shoulder was literally crushed. I had a floating shoulder. They call it medical terms. So everything attaching my shoulder to my body was torn or broken. Uh, then my femur and that I had internal bleeding. Both lungs punctured. My thorax collapsed. Uh, I had bleeding in my abdomen, my spleen. I had ruptured arteries in my neck and my right arm. It was a mess. And he actually stayed with me until the medical team arrived. Um, so no one tried to do CPR or anything, which would have killed me, definitely. And I can still remember that old, uh, that whole scene. Uh, it was very traumatic, really. Uh, and at, I then got to a stage where the medical team had arrived already, but I got to a stage where I started to black out. I couldn't feel pain in my body anymore, and I couldn't hear the people around me. And, and then, yeah, my, my sight, slowly faded and I realized I was actually going to die, which was quite surreal. And I experienced dying for, for a very short period of time. And uh, yeah, that, uh, that had a profound impact on the way I look at life, very profound. Wow, what an incredible story. And as you said, there were two miracles, at least two miracles. I think there were more uh, that mm -hmm. spared you that day to be hit by a doctor of all things who, who remained <laughs> yeah. with you at your side to yeah. make sure that the proper assistance was, was given to you. Yeah. And hitting a rock surface at 40 miles an hour and mm. not hitting your head is remarkable. I just, with all this brokenness, mm. it sounds like that brokenness brought a healing to you at some point, a more spiritual healing is what I'm getting at. Would I be accurate in saying that that event really changed your life? Very much so. Yeah, you're quite right. I, I must add, though, uh, I've, I was a quite a strong Christian before my accident. Um, and I think that helped me a great deal. So I, I wasn't afraid of dying. You know, that morning I was in my hospital in, in my hotel room. And I just went on my knees in front of my bed and I just said a quick little prayer because it was raining outside. I was a bit concerned. And, um, but you know, that, that having that certainty that if something happened to me, I knew where I was going, that really, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't scared to die. I must be honest. Um, I got to a point and I just said, Lord, I'm dying. Take me. And then it was as I went into a fantastic power nap for five minutes. Just total peace, total, total peace. Like I cannot explain and I've never experienced since. Um, but to get to your point, um, you know, I came around in ICU uh, late the next day. I've had a few surgeries. I put a pin in my femur, a pin in my hip and a few other places. And um, I remember coming around thinking, am I paralyzed? Because I couldn't move. I was sedated and everything. But my instant, my immediate thought was, wow, I'm actually alive. Um, and, you know, for a short period of time, it was, a, it was almost like a bit disappointing. 
<laughs> because it, I was in such a peaceful place in the midst of that chaos. But, you know, through that experience, I, I just realized how um, the profound impact that having faith in God and, and knowing what he's capable of doing through me, that is what changed my life completely since the accident, that he gave me a second chance at life. And I remember lying in hospital thinking, okay, so what if you did die a few days ago? Um, how would people have remembered me? How relevant was my life? And I'm not embarrassed to confess it, but I was living for me. Life was about me, myself, and I. I don't have children. I wasn't married. I had a good career and all. Everything was about me. And that changed profoundly. And I realized that God's got a purpose for my life. This happened. It didn't happen to me. It happened for me. Very important. And clearly, there's something I need to do with this life I've been given. So in that sense, my life changed completely. Completely. For the better. Brad, I, yeah, I, I just absolutely love what you just said about this event not only happening to you, but happening for you. And a lot of people, absolutely. a lot of my listeners, and, and I've spoken about this many, many times, and when we take a look at some of the worst things that we imagine have happened to us, yes. the abuse that we've suffered at the hands of a, an abusive parent or, or whatever it may be, yes. sometimes yes. we have to yes. take a look at what it's done for us too. Has it shaped yes. us into the people that we are now today? And that's what's happened to you, which is mm. remarkable. I'm going to ask you, with all those broken bones and the fact that three days later, you're, you're looking over your life and you're making these changes, how long did it take for your body? I see you, and for all my listeners, this man is in good shape. He's sitting in front of me uh, right here. I can see him on the camera, and he looks amazing. And there's nothing. He's got no broken things that I could see. <laughs> he looks good. So how long did it take you to repair your broken pieces? Yeah, it was, it, it, it was hugely challenging for me. I, I was in ICU for nine days. They reserved a prognosis for about six. So it was really touch and go. And um, when I was in a position where the doctors could actually communicate with me, they called me dead man walking. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the stuff I told you, I know about it simply because the, the doctor who treated me on the road, the ICU, not the one who crashed into me, the, the head of the ICU unit who was in the race referee's car who came across me. He saved my life. He worked on me and airlifted me out to, to Trento Hospital. He came and he sat with me when I was in high care. And he said to me, I'm the first patient that he can tell this to, but I survived death. Because they had to defibrillate me twice. Uh, once on the road and once in the helicopter on the way to hospital, when my heart stopped again. And um, he said to me, you're alive. There's a reason you're alive. You've got something you need to do. And that changed everything for me. And, and there I decided I'm going to come back a year later and finish the race. Because even he said to me, Grant, you know, the chances of you riding a bike again is very slim due to your injuries. So I knew when I, came, when I arrived back in South Africa, 21 days later, they flew me home with medical assistance. And uh, the ambulance took me home from the airport in South Africa. And I got home. I couldn't stand. I couldn't walk. I couldn't do a thing. And... Um, Yet in my mind, I could see myself finishing the race. I'm going to ride again. But I knew I had a lot of work. So to answer your question, I had to find a surgeon that believed in me that I would ride a bike again. I saw three surgeons. They all said to me, Grant, you're not going to get back in time. In fact, you'll never ride again. You can forget it. Your shoulder, your shoulder is totally crushed. It's going to take many, many surgeries and years of rehab before you can even use your arm properly again. And 
I just refused to believe it. And I found a surgeon. So to make a long story short, within five months since my accident, I had five surgeries. And that was in 2013. I got home in August, 2013. My accident was on 21 July, 2013. One February, 2014, I had my first ride on my bike. And at that stage, I was going for rehab three times a week just to try and get movement in my right shoulder. You know, when you break your femur, it generally takes about a year before you can walk properly. So I couldn't walk properly. I couldn't touch my toes, but I needed to just sit on a bicycle and try and pedal. And uh, I was able to do it at home on a home trainer for a few minutes. I got out on the 1st of Feb on the road. I managed to ride for 10 minutes. I had to get off. The pain was too severe. But I knew I was, I was on the right track and I just kept at it. And fast forward to July 2014, I was back in the Alps on the start line of the race where I crashed. And um, still terribly underweight. My right leg, my muscles hadn't um, regenerated properly yet. I couldn't carry a bag in my right arm. But I just knew this was destiny. I was going to have to finish this race. It's just something I knew I needed to do. And I did. It was a true miracle that I managed to finish the race. And that was... 11 months after my accident. Uh, so it was not just a physical challenge for me. Mentally, it was a huge challenge for me to overcome that fear of crashing. You know, going down those mountains, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. But, you know, when you have a vision and you attach a purpose to it, because I raised money for children in that ride, it makes it possible for you to focus on what seems impossible because, you know, there's something bigger behind this. And that's what. So, yeah, it took me 11 months. <laughs> Brent, 11 months, that is yeah. so remarkable. And vision uh, and to purpose. To this day, I still can't believe it. I, I, you, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in awe, really, because everything that you've described, even though those moments in which you probably did die that, that, and, and came back, yeah. and mm. that determination. And I, I wish for all my listeners to pay real attention to what you just said when mm. you have vision and you attach purpose to it yeah there is yeah. nothing that you can't do if you set your mind Absolutely. to it so true yeah. and you're a living example of that grant which is is such a beautiful thing on top of mm. that were, were you also dealing with cancer at some point in your life yeah that can that kind of it later on well that kind of it later on and and um i think it also helped me a lot to to not give up or lose focus um you know so yeah i finished that ride in 2014 and i remember when i finished it my brother from holland was there to support me and i crossed the line i fell into his arms we both cried it was very emotional for us you know very emotional um and um i said to him glenn i've just done what everyone said was impossible and it, it's almost like a switch came on in my mind and i'm like this was my i'm possible and I said to him, brother, I'm going to do this every year. What can I do when I fully recover? So I went back 2015 to the Alps in France, in fact. And I rode the Northern Alps in 20, inside of 24 hours. I rode 20 hours through the night, raised a lot of money for underprivileged children back home. And it just evolved from there. So 2016, I went back and I did a, I did a 700 mile ride through the Alps, the length of the French Alps. I rode 48 hours napped for 20 minutes. I had already had seven surgeries. 
And I remember finishing the race thinking, I'm finally, finally recovered. I'm feeling great. It was hard, but physically, I don't have that severe pain anymore. I think I'm okay now. Came back to South Africa, had a quick medical checkup, like I always do after a big ride. And they saw something on the back of my right hamstring, left hamstring. Sent me to a specialist. He looked at it and he said, Grant, this looks like a this looks like a melanoma. Let's just cut it out. At that stage, nothing serious. I mean, you know, a little bit of sun damage. Let's just get rid of it. And he phoned me two days later and he said, we got the results back. He said, this is a lot more serious than what we thought. You've got a very aggressive and invasive melanoma. It's grown very deep. We're concerned here. You need to come in for surgery as quick as you can. And I still thought, oh, you know, it's just skin cancer. How bad can that be? You know? Um, and when I, when I was, went for surgery, he said, look, we're going to have to remove a sizable chunk out of your hamstring. And it was about eight centimeters by four centimeters, two centimeters deep, a huge chunk out of my leg to make sure they've removed everything. And so for a period of time, I had to do some tests for the bigger part of 2017. At the end of that year, it was, you know, yeah, you're fine. Not, nothing to worry about. So it was a big scare for me. It wasn't um, as severe as what other people go through. I was able to continue my cycling once I recovered. But it was a big wake-up call for me. And they are realized, you know, even though you've recovered now, um, your body is a gift from God. You've got to look after it. You've got to look after it. Um, so that's also become part of my message to people. Um, you've got to look after your mind, sure. You know, a lot of what we're talking about is mental. Everything we've been talking about is physical, but mentally, so it's spirit, physical, and mental. Those three components are vital um, if you really want to go on and achieve the impossible in your life and fulfill your purpose. They certainly are. And uh, thank you so much for sharing all that. You've gone on to establish the I'm Possible Tours and the the benefit of that is going to underprivileged children. What a beautiful, beautiful mission that you're on. And you're spreading a message that everybody should be listening to. I'm going to touch on just uh, one thing before we close, and that is when we are given a second chance, which you've talked about. It is so yeah. important that we seize that second chance, as you did, Grant, and make some changes and not yes. follow the same path that we were on because given a second chance means that you're yeah. given another opportunity and you've changed and yeah. it used to be all about you. And now it's not all about you, Grant. It's, uh, yeah. it's about you giving to others and sharing yeah. your remarkable story with people. I thank you so very much. If there were a message like a, a 30 second message that you could share with our listeners, what would that message be? Yeah, it, it would be, um, you know, I mean, I always remind myself, there's a lot of people going through a lot worse than what I've been through. There's always someone worse off, worse off than you. Wake up every day and focus on what is good and focus on the blessings that you have and make every day the best day that you can, given your circumstances, but never lose sight of the fact that you have it in you to be relevant. We all have gifts and talents and stuff. We can all make a difference. No matter how big or small, mine started very small and now it's growing and it's growing. Um, and, and yeah, I, I want to encourage people. You, you know, we hear a lot about resilience and all that stuff, but we need to be mentally strong. We need to have an attitude of refusal to give up, 
don't let other people put their limits on you and just keep at it every day stay committed stay focused and don't give up i love that message and it's so true because yes we are all worthy and a lot of people don't believe that and they don't believe that they have the ability to make yeah. such a big difference in their own lives and then to the lives of others as you've sure, been doing sure. yeah right so yeah. thank you very much Grant. how can people reach you is there a way to reach you or have you have you written a book yet or is that in the works what, what's been going on there oh you know what together with uh, with my u.s sponsor here uhsm um we've we've got a book we we're busy working on that it's it's finalized we're busy in, we're in communication with publishers so it'll come out this year so uh very excited that but i'm doing my first u.s impossible tour now in june um, sponsored by UHSM, and you know we got the same vision of 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 sharing faith and 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 that with people. And um, we're going to write. I'm going to be writing through the southern parts of California, so people can follow the journey. They can go to uhsm.org. There's a link there. Forward slash donation. Forward slash grant lottering. Uh, they can go to my website grantlottering.com. My social media handles are there, and I would love for people to to follow this journey. Um, and especially the tour in June through my social media handles or through UHSM on their social media platform. Um, it's going to be quite something. Yeah, I'm going to do a ride that no one's done here before. So it's going to be cool. I'll, I'll be checking it out for sure. So there you are, everybody. We have uh, Grant Lottering and it's grantlottering.com. L-O-T-T-E-R-I-N-G. I'll put that in the show notes. Grant, thank you so much for spending your time with us here today and for inspiring us with your remarkable story of resilience, focus, of just becoming the greatest person that you can possibly be. And let that be a message to each and every one of us that we have the ability. And if we're given the second chance to seize those check second chances and to make yeah. the best of them, because yeah. we're not likely to get another chance. But thank That's you. That's true. Me. Thanks, All Paul. Right. Thanks for having me. All the best, sir. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.